0: When witchcraft is suspected at a polling station, police will do everything to stop it. And then we go back to the conspiracy theory iceberg to take a look at a seemingly harmless conspiracy theory that might actually be the end of us all. Number stations post Trump. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. It's 2020, and this is the only podcast (laughs) that's being put out right now that is not talking about politics. And trust me, that will not be broken today. I'm 100% don't talk about politics on this show. I know some of you may have seen the title and been like, oh no, is he talking politics? I don't talk about politics. are you talking about i am going to talk about magic at a polling station but rest assured people this is the only podcast in existence right now that is not talking politics let's give a shout out to our newest patreon supporter malum arcana malum thank you so much for supporting the show really really helps out a lot you're going to be our captain our pilot whatever vehicle we take you're in charge if you can't support the patreon totally get that just help get the word out about the show that really really helps out a lot so Malum, let's go ahead and hop in the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. We're taking a little trip. We're headed out to the Mal Dives. Malum's shaking his head. He's like, that's not how you pronounce that either. I'm like, I don't know. I can't even find it on a map. Brrr. Just keep making this noise. It'll distract you from all the pronunciation errors. This information I got from an article in The Guardian by Jason Burke. So I wanted to give him credit for this story. We're going to land on gury Doohoo Island. <laughs> it's just like, how am I supposed to fly this thing? I don't know where to land. You're just making noises. I'm like, dude. So anyways, brrr, we just land at Dahu. We land on an island. We take a taxi cab to Dahu Island. It's September 3rd, 2013. They're getting ready to have a presidential election. And everything is on the line. Because you had like a president who was like run out of the country. He's trying to regain power. And you have this other guy at this coup. who's trying to maintain power. You had all this stuff going on. And the people are ready to vote. But there's this polling station, right? It's a school that's being used as a polling station. And then one day, all these cop cars are pulling up to the school. They're running. They're like, get down, get down, get down, go, go, go. The, the cops are pulling their guns out. And they're like, don't move. And we look over and we see they're pointing their guns at a little coconut. A little coconut just sitting next to the school. And we're like, what? Is that like a transformer? Is it going to turn into a robot? Is it a critter rolled up? Nope. <laughs> they have giant coconut handcuffs. They... Put it around the coconut. They're like, no one's getting your milk. Not today. They're like, maybe in the evidence room we might. And they take it and they throw it in the back of the cop car. And it's like, you can't <laughs> stop me. Copper It's trying to wiggle out. It really is a critter. They take it downtown. And here's why. So in the Maldives, the most of the population is Sunni Muslim. But in the rural areas especially, really believe in superstition. Really believe in magic. That always seems to be a constant thing. You have like the urban centers that are like, what? You believe in witchcraft and magic? Oh, you guys are so foolish. That's what my astrology chart said today. Let me take this homeopathic vitamin that I found out on Goop. Those yokels, they believe in fairies. You always see that type of stuff, right? So in Maldives, it's the same thing. People go, oh, they still believe in magic and witchcraft out there. This stuff doesn't exist. In this area on Guridahu Island, they still believe in the magic. Turns out in this area, coconuts are often used to cast spells. Delicious spells, I might add. Coconuts are used to cast spells. You'll write spells on coconut and throw it. You're like, I curse your window to be broken. Pshhh. People are like, oh no, the curse came true. I curse you to have ants in your house. And there's coconut milk everywhere. No. That's why they believe in curses, because they always work. You'll write spells on coconuts. They use coconuts for their magic, and then they just kind of roll them, roll them around. We found be easy to tell who the wizard was. He's always carrying a sack full of coconuts. He's always on keto. He's always drinking bulletproof coffee. We're like, hey, dude, you look like you've lost a lot of weight. Are you a wizard? He's like, huh? No. I just really like coconuts. He's wearing a coconut fur jacket. Anyways. The school had said, we don't want to be part of the presidential election because we don't want any black magic around our school. People are like, what are you talking about? And they said, listen, this is a super intense presidential election. And we know a bunch of wizards are going to be showing up, throwing coconuts around. So we don't want any of that. So the school actually didn't want to be involved in the presidential election. And people are like, you kind of have to. <laughs> like, that's stupid. You can't not be part of democracy because you're afraid of magical coconuts. And the school's like, yeah, we can. But they lost. They had to they a polling station was set up. Now, this coconut, eventually, like some groundskeeper, or teacher was walking around and they saw a coconut out of their school and they flipped out <laughs> because this is exactly what they thought was going to happen. This is exactly what they thought was going to happen. The magic coconut would show up and curse them. This coconut, though, was pretty interesting because it had written on it Quranic verses. And what the coconut was saying was, don't you dare cast magical spells here. So it was basically like a preemptive strike against any wizard that would try throwing coconuts there. This place has been warded. This place is protected by Allah. Not only was Allah protecting the place, it was also being protected by the National Election Commission. They actually had to come out and guarantee the school, if anyone got sick, they would be responsible for it. National Election Commission goes, this was one of their quotes, they would be responsible if, quote, if anyone falls under a spell or comes down ill, unquote. Now, are you sure they're probably like, oh, great, those yokels out there still believe in magic? And at the same time, they're probably thinking, oh, no, one, gets. I hope I'm right. The article ends with this statement, quote, a magician summoned by police established that the coconut was innocent. Local officials have said no arrests have been made, unquote. So basically, yes, it was a innocent coconut. It was was unjustly arrested. The police had to release it later that day. They buried it under some sand on a desert island. And they're like, live free, coconut, live free. And the coconut sprung up a great mighty tree. And then there was other coconuts hanging off of it. And then one of the coconuts turns around and has yellow eyes. It's all super spooky. There, there that's, the end of, that's, the end of, that's the end of that story. I think it's an interesting story, but I really don't have any other way to end it other than twist ending. Spooky yellow eyes on a coconut in the middle of a desert island. Malum Arcana. Let's go ahead and fire up that Carpenter copter. We are going to head on out to Russia. We're flying over the ocean. We're cutting lines over the big blue beast. That's what they call the ocean, right? That's what at least one person calls the ocean. We're headed out to Russia. This was a request in a kind of roundabout way by a YouTube user known as Igor Lukyan. He requested me to look up a couple of Soviet conspiracy theories, and he gave me some. We'll actually be covering a couple of them. But this one was an interesting one. It took me down a bizarre rabbit hole. So Malamar Cannon, we're flying that Carpenter copter, we're headed out to Russia. We're specifically headed out to a lonely radio transmitter in the middle of nowhere. There's a lot of myth surrounding this station. Some people say it started in 1973. Some people say it started in 1982. But one thing's for certain, it's an odd thing. It's known as a number station. And let me go over some brief terms here real quick. Number stations are radio stations that are basically constantly playing a series of tones. Um, Sometimes someone will be reading... I mean, it's like 24 hours of a tone or a sound or an echo or whatever. You guys know how sound works. Something. And then every so often, it'll either be broken up by someone reading numbers. Sometimes it'll be broken up by words being said in multiple languages. Sometimes it'll be broken up by just sounds different than the tone. And what these are generally used for is they're used for military communications or spy communications. Let's say you're a CIA operative in Istanbul. You know that if you tune to the number station on this date at this time, that message, whatever it is, pertains exactly to page 7 of your book. So on that date at that time, you turn to page 7 at that book, you look at that code, you match it to that book. It tells you that the target is moving You destroy that page of your book, you can go find that target. It's spycraft at its best. The radio station can be tracked where it's coming from. Obviously, if it's a radio station in Russia, it's giving out signals for Russian agents or Russian military. You can track where an email comes from, but you can't track where it goes. When you send an email or a text message or something like that, you can follow it to the destination. But a radio station is playing 24 hours a day. You don't know who's listening to it, who that is intended for. And of course, this was crafted, this spycraft was created long before the internet was invented, before it was even thought about. This is old tech. In Russia, they have this thing called the buzzer. It's changed its broadcast name, or it's changed its code. Sometimes it's known as UVB76, sometimes it's ZHUOZ. But it's generally known among number stations aficionados as the buzzer. Some people have come forward and say, we don't know what it is. We have no idea what it is. It could be all sorts of different things. There are people who are ex-Russian military. They go, oh no, we're totally familiar with that. That actually gives us commands about uh, training drills. And when the real thing happens, i.e. nuclear war, it will let us know where to go. They said sometimes we would be sitting there and it would give this signal and our commanding officer would come in and be like, okay, everyone put on your ABC suits, which is atomic biological chemical suits. You put on the suit and you'd get ready to go, and then they're like, "It's just a drill." You have Russian military coming forward and say, "We're totally familiar with that. It's a normal thing." Other people have said Western intelligence agencies said they think it's part of the Dead Hand program. This is what Igor recommended me looking at. It's a quite terrifying thing called Dead Hand. So this make if when you when I start saying it, it's going to sound really scary, but it, it makes sense. What happens is. If a nuclear exchange was to take place between Russia and America, or previously the Soviet Union, this was invented during the Soviet Union, Soviet Union and America, America always stated they had a don't-shoot-first policy that was on the record, we will not shoot first. But, but, when you look at a lot of our where our missiles were aimed at, they were aimed at Soviet Union missile silos. So people go, well, obviously... They're going to shoot first. Because why would you shoot at places where there were no missiles? If they were the noble opponents that they stated they were. And they would never shoot first. Then they saw that remastered edition of Star Wars. And they go, ah. Soviet Union came up with a plan. It's, It's actually, it makes sense. They said, we're going to build an automated firing system. So if there's nobody left to push the button in Moscow. We can still get our missiles launched. We can still do a retaliatory strike. Now, before, when they were looking at this map, they figured, we have 30 minutes from the time that a missile is launched from America before it starts hitting targets in the Warsaw Block, Eastern Europe. We have 30 minutes. Once America got their sub game to a perfect point, they could accurately shoot nuclear missiles out of nuclear subs. The Russians were like, dude, we have three minutes to respond. If one of these subs is in the Baltic Sea, we have Three minutes to make a decision. Do we launch? So that's why they invented dead man. It's also known as perimeter. If Soviet leadership is decapitated, the missiles can still be fired. And you're thinking that's awful. Like you've lost the war. You obviously got taken out. We didn't shoot first. We didn't shoot first. It just a couple missiles just haven't hit you. What? But we're still, we didn't mean to. And now you just want petty revenge? That's messed up. It actually was the opposite. It gave commanders time to think. Because this is the way the Soviet Union put this forward. They go, if you had three minutes to make a decision, you are going to default to firing. But if you knew, if you knew for a fact, listen, I think a missile's coming at me. I'm not 100% sure. Could be a glitch. If I'm wrong, and that's a real missile... Then we still get to attack America. But if I'm right that it's a glitch, then it's just a glitch. So they built this system as basically a saying it's okay to wait, <laughs> it's okay to wait four minutes instead of two. So that makes sense. And the way that this works is fascinating stuff. So again, Igor, thank you for letting me spend the afternoon reading about this. There's missiles in the Soviet Union that have radio transmitters on them. And in a state of peace, Dead Man is shut off. But if things start to heighten, high-ranking general goes over there, flicks a switch, doot, doot, and Dead Hand begins to take seismic readings. It begins to check the air for radiation fallout, and it constantly is sending a signal back and forth to the Kremlin. And if it sends the signal out to the Kremlin... And it doesn't get a response back in an amount of time, say 20 minutes. Let's say it sends a signal out and picks up that something's there. Sends a signal out, picks up something there. Sends a signal out. It's not getting a response in 20 minutes past. These missiles (sighs) launched With these radio transmitters on them. These radio transmitters are then able to go up and begin broadcasting a signal, launching other missiles with radio transmitters. So now you've basically created, because all radio communication would be destroyed at that time. But you're now sending radio signals across the Soviet Union. At that point, one of two things happens. Soviet Union says, what it does is that it then gives the launch authorization to basically the janitor at the base. Like, you could be like a... Low-level dude sitting there, and then when you get that communication, it's saying Moscow's gone, launch. So it basically opens it up to anyone, maybe not the janitor at the base, but basically a low-ranking official can launch a nuke. The other thing that has been said is that when Dead Hand is fired and those radio antenna missiles go up, all missiles launch. There is no human interaction. At that point, it's nuclear war. They're not going to wait for a guy to be like, he's cleaning the toilet in Warsaw, and he's like, oh, wait, God, I'm supposed to go check, I'm supposed to go check the dead man switch. Missiles are launching. That's, that's the other theory. People have said if the system's down, they're not even giving it to normal people. It's an automated system. Once those radio missiles go up, they send a signal. Every last piece of nuclear technology is being launched out of the Soviet Union towards its targets. They say that Dead Man is not on all the time. It's only turned on in times of emergency. Again, it's not something you'd want to have on all the time because it would be a catastrophic accident if it went down. America says that they have one too, but they shut it off quite a long time ago. They don't use it. They don't. Their Wikipedia article was quite short, honestly, compared to the Soviet Union one. I'm sure we have one. I'm sure it's incredibly similar to that and i'm sure both of them at any time i think george h w bush was the one who ordered to just shut it down cuz you know things have been things have been calming down but i'm sure both of those switches could be reactivated in very short order so what does this have to do with the iceberg conspiracy theory number stations post trump but as i was researching this story cuz i was originally looking into dead hands. And because that was Igor's suggestion, I was looking at Dead Man. I started looking at these number stations. I was reminded of a topic on the conspiracy theory iceberg, and it was listed as number stations post-Trump. And it was one of those ones that I kind of looked at, and I, it's so vague. I knew what number stations were. I know, obviously, what post-Trump is any time after Trump. And I thought, well, the conspiracy theory I can think of right off the top of my head is that... The number stations are being used, utilized in some way differently now than they were before Trump's election. Shadow governments, deep state agents, are using the number stations to talk to each other. That's the way they're spreading their message around. The deep state or the shadow government. The shadow government was the old version. That was the version I knew of the deep state. Back in the 80s, deep state was referred to as shadow government. But now it's deep state. It's quicker. You know, it's punchier than shadow government. It just takes longer to say. But anyway, so it's the, basically the same thing, though. So you have with the conspiracy theory that Trump is fighting deep state, people within the government trying to take Trump down using the mechanisms of the government. Then that conspiracy theory falls into that, right? That they are, that those people are using this. Cold War technology that was never turned off, these number stations, to communicate messages to each other. Instead of giving operatives information about operations they're running vis-a-vis foreign countries or domestic terrorists or whatever, they're talking. They're using the number stations to coordinate actions against Trump. But I don't think that's what number stations post-Trump actually means. I think that that's one thing it can mean, obviously, right? But... That's not the Dead Rabbit Radio way. I want to always dig a little bit deeper. I want to see if I can find another way to make this conspiracy theory work. This is super bizarre. And bordering on, (laughs) bordering on psycho. September 2016, before Trump was elected president, a man in New Jersey picked up a radio station. It's actually what's called extended AM. You have to have a special radio to pick up extended AM on 1630 a.m., picks up a message on the emergency channel that's meant for the Chester Township in New Jersey. It says, Trump will go 26th. There was a YouTube video of the recording. It's gone. Been made privated. And on the article that I read, which will be in the show notes, it said, click more info down here. Nothing. There's nothing there. Fluke? Why was Chester Township broadcasting this message? Who knows? Fluke, intercepted message, could be all sorts of weird stuff. What does post Trump actually mean? I think the context I was going with, and a lot of you guys probably were going with, was post him becoming president. But Trump was a national figure long before that. Long, long before that. To be post Trump, you have to go back to before he became a national figure. I mean, you can go back to <laughs> before he was born, but that's a little too far back. Malam let's go ahead and fire up that Carpenter copter one more time. We're headed out to New York City, crime capital of the world, because now we're in the year 1973, where New York City was just 24 hours of taxi driver and main streets. We're flying around those beautiful buildings, downtown New York City. 1973 was the very first time Donald Trump appeared on the front page of the New York Times. Now. He was well-known in the city, but for the first time, he was on a national stage. Donald Trump, 1973, was involved in a court battle with the federal government. 1973 is the same year the buzzer went into operation. What's interesting is that the BBC says that the buzzer started in 1982, and the reason why you have different dates for this is because they would change the signal. Some people go, no, it's from 1973. That same thing was broadcasting that tower. BBC dates it a little bit later because sometimes they would change like the call signs of it. But so BBC states that the buzzer that as we know it today was started in 1982. The signal changed enough that we're gonna say the buzzer started in 1982. 1982 was the very first year Forbes magazine printed. The 400 richest Americans—they had never done that before. Forbes magazine publishes that issue. Donald Trump, number 286, again propelled into national acclaim as being one of the richest men in America. So, Jason, right? <laughs> Jason, right? You can go and you can find pretty much any day and compare it against something else. And you're right. That's why I was saying it was kind of psycho. 1973, a bunch of stuff happened in 1973, bro, (laughs) right? A bunch of stuff happened in 1973. Now, the signal will change. The buzzer will change from time to time. Lately, there's been some weird things about it. You had like a boat picking up an odd signal that seemed to be layered on top of it. But for the most part, the buzzer is always there, and then you have like the words being said by the Russian lady and things like that. On August 16th, 2020, so earlier this month, the weirdest thing that's ever happened with the buzzer happened. You had the tone, and then it would pause, and music would start playing. And then it would make the tone again, it would pause, and music would start playing. So that means that the music is actually part of the broadcast. But then, later that same day, you would have the buzz, and on top of that frequency... It would not interrupt the buzz. On top of that frequency was something else. It was a different transmission. But it was no accident. People really, really dig into these number stations. And people were listening to it. And they took that audio. That very, very bizarre audio that was coming out on August 16th, 2020. They ran it through a spectrograph which is a way to hide images inside of audio. I think Radiohead's done it. I think. I'm not sure they have. When they ran it through a spectrograph, because it just didn't make sense. The audio didn't make any sense. They ran it through a spectrograph. They saw Latin and acrylic lettering and phrases appear in front of the screen on them. The sound actually had pictures in it. But then it also had pictures of Pokemon. Of animals. Of SpongeBob SquarePants characters. On top of a military transmission that might possibly also be part of Dead Hand, someone had layered images on top of it. And then the images stop, but the buzz continues unabated. August 16th, 2020. Donald Trump's brother, Robert Trump died. Where am I going with this? So let's put on our conspiracy caps here for a second. Let's wrap it up like this. This is my conspiracy theory. We go back to Donald Trump being a time traveler. If you haven't heard that episode, the theory was that Donald Trump went into the future on a time machine, saw all this great stuff, got all this information, came back in time, made millions of dollars, but see, 9-11 happened. That didn't happen in the original timeline. So he's like, "Uh uh-oh, it's not all about me. I got to do stuff to change things. Also, the future, everyone looks like Mike Pence. It's it's an actual conspiracy theory. You should listen to an episode on it. I really like that conspiracy theory. Everyone looks like Mike Pence and Hillary Clinton's vice presidential candidate. What was his name? Uh, uh, Tim, I don't remember his name. Anyways, it doesn't matter. His wife was a Mike Pence. That's what matters. His wife was a clone of Mike Pence from the future. So uh, Tim Hayes, I don't remember. But anyways, what was his name? It doesn't matter. So that's that conspiracy theory in a nutshell. So this is this conspiracy theory. Donald Trump did go into the future that will believe all that stuff because it's funny. (laughs) Because it's a funny conspiracy theory. Then this one. The number stations are actually set up for one of two reasons. One, it's because another time traveler followed Trump back. He didn't know who he was looking for. He knew someone came into the future. He knew someone gained knowledge. But when he was reading the newspaper, that 1973 New York Times, and saw that photo, he needed to send a message to the future and let him know what was going on. So he uses a number station. Why a number station? This is actually quite brilliant. I can't believe I came up with this myself. I honestly did. Quite impressed by myself. If you wanted to send a message to the future, You would write it somewhere that would still exist in the future. So you could write it on a cave. You know the future. You know that cave is discovered in the year 2050. So that message you write in that cave will be to your handlers who are after the year 2050. And they would know that that cave would be discovered because you'd be like, hey, I'm going to go back in time. You know that cave that's going to get discovered in 2050 in Milwaukee? (laughs) In the middle of Milwaukee, that giant cave? I'm going to write a message in there. And the handlers are like, okay. And then they turn around and they open up their history books and there's your message. People love these number station stuff. There's huge blogs and websites and everything. There's a photo book dedicated to these things of radio stations. So people are cataloging all this stuff. I'm broadcasting stuff on this super obscure, spooky radio station. Thousands of people around the world are taking notes of everything that's said, when it's said, how it's said. And my handlers in the future, they just have to go to your blog that you had in the year 2020. That's a list of every transmission. And they just read through it and they go, oh, this is what Trump's doing. Trump just got on the Forbes List. I guess we could have looked at Forbes. I guess we could have just looked at that magazine. But we know what Trump's up to because these stations are being broadcast, they're being cataloged, and that information exists in the future. They would read it almost instantaneously. They would know everything instantaneously. So you had some... That's brilliant, right? I'm afraid a bunch of time travelers are going to kidnap me and not let this episode get put out because that has to be the way you would communicate with the future. It'd be the most energy-efficient way of communicating with the future. Instead of pulling out a little radio like Quantum Leap, you just leave notes everywhere and they would know where to look for the notes. Oh, time travelers! Or... You have that. You have the guy come back and he's trying to stop Trump because they don't want the future to be changed. He's a disruptive force. Or the number stations are part of Trump's plan. See, Trump goes into the future, learned all this stuff, came back, used it for personal gain. Then 9-11 happens and he's like, oh, great. But he's obviously still able to get pinces, <laughs> multiple Mike pincers from the future. So the way that they communicate with the future is by using these number stations. It's the same theory, but now he's actually talking to people in the future, being like, and the future's allied with him. They don't want him to fail. That would also make sense why that number station started in 1973. That's when he first gets on the national stage, and the first message would have been along the lines of, hey, guys, I got the ball rolling. Not in the best best light with this news article here, but I'm on the national stage. People know who I am. Number stations post-Trump. It's interesting. It's four little words on the conspiracy theory iceberg. I scrolled over it multiple times. It was basically two things I knew about. I knew about number stations, and I know what post-Trump means. But combined, I think it leads to an interesting conspiracy theory. It is how we would communicate with the future. So the next time you come across a mysterious broadcast, whether you are intentionally looking for them via a number station, or just sitting there and your radio begins to play an odd tune, or begins to utter a phrase that you don't really understand, Think a little less about where the transmission is coming from and think about when the transmission is coming from. Because even though these signals can be picked up by anyone, some of these signals are made for a small group of people or maybe even just one person. So for a spy who's trying to hunt down a terror cell or to a colonel sitting in a nuclear silo or to a member of the Time Council a thousand years from now, These aren't just random phrases and noises. These are incredibly important messages. And these people, they can never relax. They can just listen to that signal and hope that it never changes. Because if it does, it's not just a random collection of words and noises. It is the signal that may herald the end of the world.